Good evening. We're so excited to be together again tonight. Thank you for joining us. And uh, for those of you who are joining us maybe for the first time, we welcome you. Or those of you that have been uh, joining us and you've, you've not been uh, members here, but you've been participating online, we welcome you and thank you for uh, being a part of our uh, virtual assemblies. We're so glad to be able to start back our in-person assemblies next Sunday, October 4th. And so we want to invite you to come out if at all possible. Everything will still be live streamed, but we'll be back in person. And so we're very thankful to be able to do that. Uh, you know, we all have the desire for better. We pursue better, don't we, in many areas of our lives. Uh, we pursue better things, a better deal, and better adventures, better experiences, better situations, better conditions. And most of these things are totally fine to pursue, of course, but the question for the Christian is, uh, what are we looking to? What ultimately are we pursuing? What have we set our minds on? Uh, most of the things that we desire are earthly efforts and things that have no eternal value. They're, they're, they're not worth anything beyond uh, this earthly human life. And so we have to ask ourselves, is there something better beyond that that we ought to be focused on and, and pursuing primarily? We can easily get sucked into and, and suckered into the pursuit of better on an earthly human level and get lost in that and thinking that the next thing will be, uh, bring us lasting satisfaction and completeness. Now, after this year, we're certainly all looking for that better, aren't we? We're, we're, we're saying back to normal would be better, and so we're hoping uh, to get there as soon as possible. Uh, it's be better than what we've had with the lockdowns and masks and social distancing and, and of course, the reality of a virus that has taken its toll on, on lives and, uh, and caused much trouble and loss. This year has also been a time when it's been very easy to drift and stagnate in our faith. And so that's what we want to think about tonight. And I hope that you'll be encouraged and strengthened by what the Bible has to say on this subject as we look at our passage for tonight in Hebrews chapter 2. So I want you to turn there with me, if you have your Bibles, to Hebrews chapter 2. And let's just read that and then we'll, we'll start making some points about it. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Verse 5, For it was not the angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere, What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. 
At present, we do not see everything in subjection to him, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children God has given me. Verse 14, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, He himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted." Now, there's certainly a lot there that we can't exhaust in our time together tonight, so we want to highlight a few things throughout this chapter. Look at verses 1 through 3. The author of Hebrews is calling us to listen to, to think about, to recall this most important message, the most important message ever, the message of Jesus, the good news of salvation. He's saying, take heed. Look at, now, now, now look back in chapter 1, verses 1 through 2, and we see a pattern here. We see that the author has emphasized this. He's been telling us this throughout the letter. In chapter 1, verses 1 through 2, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. Look at chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus. And then in chapter 12, verse 2, the author writes, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. So the book of Hebrews is driving an important point here that we need to listen to Jesus. Now, go back to chapter 2, verse number 1 where the writer says, Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Now think about this. What does it mean to drift? What does that mean to drift? Take a look at the image here on the screen. What, what do you see there? You see a boat that's just drifting and floating. And, and, and the word that the author uses here is often used to refer to something that, that slips away. It, it, it would have, was used to, to describe a ring that would slip off of a finger, or in, in today's times, uh, a phone that slipped out of your hand and, and fell to the ground. The word for drift here literally means to flow past. 
like a boat might flow or slip past where it's supposed to dock if the captain isn't paying attention. Or, or a, a long-distance runner might be running and, and miss the turn on the course if they're, they're not paying attention and flow right by their turn. That's how that's, that, that it word is, is used and what it describes. And, and we can do the same thing in our faith, can't we? As Christians, we can do the exact same thing. We can be like that boat that flows past the harbor, that runner that misses their turn and just flows right by because we weren't paying attention to what we needed to pay attention to. The Hebrew writer means here that we should pay the closest possible attention because of the urgency of the message. Now, what happens when we don't pay close attention? Well, the, Bible's tell, the Bible tells us here we drift away. When we don't pay attention, we drift away from what we're supposed to be paying close attention to. Now, we drift away from Jesus. We drift away from his body, which is the church, and even then from our salvation. And we're going to see that. It's, it's been a little easier this year, too, to, to drift away in our faith. And, and maybe we don't think of it that way, but maybe some of us are feeling that way, that we are that boat adrift in the sea. We haven't been meeting in person like we're used to, and that routine was good and helpful for us. And, and I think that's been a real challenge for many of us to not have that routine, and, and we get out of the habit of doing it, don't we? It's been easy to drift in your faith this year, and then before you know it, you're comfortable with the new routine, the new habit, and getting back into that habit, getting set, re resetting that routine uh, can be really challenging and really uncomfortable and not at all very convenient. So when we start to drift, everything else eventually follows. The Bible says that when we drift from paying close attention to what we've heard, meaning the message of Jesus, we drift away from it, which is the message of Jesus, okay? But follow the progression here. When you drift from the message, you drift from the messenger. You drift from Jesus himself. When you drift from Jesus, you drift from his body, which is the church. And when you do this, the Bible's going to show us you can even drift from your salvation. Now, some people haven't drifted at all, but they're staying home due to their health. But thankfully, we're able to live stream everything, and, and uh, that doesn't fully replace being together. And those folks know that, and they feel that, and, 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 and we, we definitely sympathize with them. So we're not talking about that, but we're talking about literally drifting in our faith, and especially during this difficult and different year that we've had. Now look at verses 2 and 3. Paying close attention to Jesus and his message and not drifting is so important that the Bible tells us that uh, even neglect can cost us salvation. It can cause us to lose our salvation. You see, we can miss out on heaven by never following Christ. We know that. And we know that we can miss out on heaven by turning from Christ. And Hebrews is a letter about that. But the, the, the message here is also telling us that we can miss out on heaven by neglecting Christ. So that's something different that's very important for us to understand. Now, neglect here means to make light of. Now, that starts feeling personal, doesn't it? 
Because we might be saying, well, hey, I'm a Christian, and hey, I'm not turning away from my faith. I, I believe in Jesus still. Okay, but, but are you neglecting Christ and his message? Well, what do you mean neglecting? Are you making light of? Now, when we're making light of neglecting our faith and the message of Christ, it starts showing up in our life, doesn't it? Either way, when we're not neglecting and when we are. And so that's a good uh, uh, indicator of where we're at in our relationship with Jesus. So uh, it, it's to make light of our faith and to not take it too seriously like we should be and not to have it as a part of our, it's to have it as a part of our lives, but not a defining and consuming uh, 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 part of our lives to be all of our lives. We drift away from Jesus when we don't pay close attention to his teaching and therefore neglect our salvation and eventually miss out on heaven. And that's what the, the author here is trying to say and what we're trying to encourage tonight. So look at verses 9 through 10 of Hebrews chapter 2. And I want you to see what the Hebrew writer has to say here about why Jesus is greater than everything else. And we'll connect back to the beginning of the things we've been saying. But, but look at what he says. Jesus crowned with glory and honor. Why? Because of the suffering of death. Now, Jesus suffered death on our behalf for us, for our sins, uh, for our redemption, and for our salvation. And because Jesus was obedient to God's will and always put God, uh, his, his will over, God's will over his own will, he was crowned with glory and honor. And as Paul tells us in Philippians, this suffering uh, of death isn't just death itself. It was actually more than that. Look at Philippians 2, 8 through 9. Being found in human form, he humbled himself. See what Jesus did? Being, by becoming obedient to the point of death, but there's a comma there and not a period, even death on a cross. So it wasn't just death. It was suffering of death, even death on a cross. And therefore, Paul writes, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. You see, Jesus was obedient to God's will even when he was tempted in his flesh not to go through with it. But he was, he was obedient even to the point of death and even to the point of death on a cross. So God coming to us in the flesh wasn't the extent of what he would go through on our behalf. He went even beyond that. Jesus came to this earth to experience fully what it meant to be human. He dealt with temptation like we do. He dealt with uh, all that it means to be human. Jesus dealt with that. And that's why he's able to relate. He, the whole time, had to choose to obey God's will and not his own will. Now, look at, uh, consider the Garden of Gethsemane. And right before, this is where Jesus was praying, right before he was betrayed, arrested, and crucified. Now, Mark tells us in chapter 14, verse 33, that Jesus was greatly distressed and troubled. And he said, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Like that, He wasn't talking about dying on the cross. He was talking about how 
terrible he felt. What he was, the anguish he was dealing with leading up to knowing what was going to happen, knowing what he was going to suffer. He suffered even before that suffering on the cross. Luke tells us in chapter 22 uh, a little more detail about this. Jesus tells his disciples to pray so they don't fall into temptation. Then he goes a little further away from them to pray about these things, about what he's about to face. And in verse 42, Luke records, Father, this prayer to Je- uh, of Jesus to God, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And then verse 43, And there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him. We miss that a lot, don't we? We, we overlook that fact, uh, don't we? Luke's the only one that says that, that God sent an angel to strengthen Jesus during that time. He had just prayed, please remove this cup if it be your will. But I'm going to do your will no matter what. But I wish there was a way to remove this cup from me. So God sends him an angel to strengthen him to go through what he's got to go through. And then look at verse 44. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Now, the Hebrew author has even more insight to give us on this moment in Jesus' life. Look at chapter 5, verses 7 through 9. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Well, he was heard, but that doesn't mean that God's will changed. And Jesus said, nevertheless, I'm going to do your will, not my will. But God did hear him. Now look at verse number 8. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. What kind of suffering are we talking about? Well, of course, we're talk- we understand that Jesus was tempted in every way, yet without sin, uh, Hebrews tells us, but in the, in the context of chapter 2, the focus is on the fact that he suffered death on our behalf. And, and, but, but in all ways, Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Why? Because he did God's will. He said, nevertheless. Look at chapter 12, verses 2 through 4. Looking unto Jesus the founder or the author and finisher or perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured, suffered through the cross, despising its shame, uh, uh, looking at it in a, you know, belittle, making less of it, despising its shame, uh, didn't think much of it, um, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. You see how Jesus' suffering encourages us. His suffering and resisting temptation encourages us to live faithful and resist temptation and be obedient to God. Verse uh, verse 4, in your struggle against sin, this is key, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. You know, you think you're struggling with temptation. You think you're, you're, you're striving so hard to obey God and follow him and, and be a, a fervent, vibrant, faithful, devoted Christian. And, and you hadn't bled. Jesus suffered death 
even death on a cross. That's the extent he went to. And we can't resist the tiniest little thing. And, and we think, where is God? Why can't I overcome this? Jesus resisted to the point of death and shedding his own blood. So it helps us put our stuff in perspective that we're dealing with, and at the same time, show us an example and encouragement of how we can uh, endure through temptation. Jesus' faithfulness and strength when faced with temptation, especially the cross, strengthens us in our weaknesses. He prayed to God and always chose obedience to God instead of submitting to his own will. And when we choose to say, nevertheless, that not my will but yours be done, that's the secret to keeping ourselves from drifting from Jesus and his message. So let's look at verses 14 through 18 of Hebrews chapter 2. Since, therefore, the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, meaning flesh and blood. He became flesh and blood. Uh, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver. Look at that, destroy and deliver. So he's going to destroy death the one, and the one who has the power of death, and deliver all those who through the fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Verse 16, for surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. In other words, this is for you and me, humans, not the angels. Jesus came for us. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers. In order to do this, Jesus had to be made like us in every respect. Why? So that, you see that in your Bible, he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help you, those who are being tempted." So Jesus partook in our weak nature by becoming flesh. He had to be made like his brothers in every way. Jesus understands what you're dealing with, what you're going through, what you're suffering with. Jesus sympathizes with that. He, he feels it. He knows where you are and what it feels like to be where you are. Why? He did it. And he did it for that reason. So he can firsthand know what it's like to be you. And that's why it's such an encouragement and such, we gain such, draw such power and, 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 and strength from what he did for us and why he did it. He knows what you worry about. He knows what scares you and what obstacles you have in your life. And Hebrews is driving this point that we should pay more careful attention to Jesus and his word because of who he is and what he's done for us. So why did Jesus have to be made like us in every respect? So that, the Bible says, he might become a merciful and faithful high priest. And that's really important for us to understand the magnitude of what Jesus did for us. We looked at Philippians 2, we looked at uh, Hebrews 5, and they spoke to this as well. The rest of the letter of Hebrews uh, speaks to this as well, how Jesus is that great high priest, the, the founder and father and, 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 and finisher and author of our faith and what that means for us. Now, this is the first time in Scripture that Jesus is distinctly called, referred to 
as high priest. Now, the Jewish people would have still had their own high priests uh, at the time. And the high priest made propitiation. In other words, they uh, made a sacrifice every year, an off, a sin offering sacrifice to satisfy the justice of God towards sin. And they did that once a year. But when, uh, when the high priest did that, he couldn't, in reality, cover his own sin and the sins of the people. It was ceremonial. It was symbolic that God had them to do this. It was, they, they, they were aware of sin. And, 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 but it was also foreshadowing Jesus and Jesus as our high priest and what he would ultimately do for us in taking away our sins. Jesus offered himself upon the cross as a sinless, perfect sacrifice which satisfied or propitiated the justice of God towards sin. So that, that's Jesus as the sacrifice, not an animal, but he was the sacrifice. And, and as high priest, Jesus, think about this, Jesus took his own blood to heaven to purchase your forgiveness, your redemption, your propitiation. His own blood. Not somebody else's, not something else's. He did it. And then God made him that faithful and merciful high priest. And this is why Jesus is the author and founder and finisher and leader of our faith. And this is why Jesus is the one for us to turn to, to pay close attention to, to not neglect and not drift away from because of who he is and what he's done for us. Now look at verse number 18. And because Jesus suffered in temptation and ultimately in death, he is able to help you. In your struggles. Now that ought to just, seeing who he is and what he's done, and the fact that he is able to help you, not you in general, not, not you talking about millions of people, you, he's able to help you. And he did all of this so that he could help you. You see, I, I want you to understand something that Jesus is greater than. Everything that there is. Jesus is greater than uh, our temptations. Jesus is greater than your problems. Jesus is greater than your controversy. Jesus is greater than race. He is greater than uh, the news of the day. Jesus is greater than the candidates. Jesus is greater than politics. Jesus is greater than fear. He is greater than a virus. Jesus is greater than hate. And Jesus is greater than evil. And Jesus is greater than death. Jesus is greater than. Period. And that's the Jesus we want you to know and not drift from and not neglect his message and your relationship with him and everything that goes with that. So you got to stop turning to other things and other people. And you got to think about, am I drifting or am I determined? Are you drifting or are you determined in your faith? Where are you at? You're out there drifting or you're determined and your ship is set on course and Jesus is leading you. And you're faithfully following him, not neglecting him, his church, or anything that he has taught and would have us to live. 
And you know, it'll show in your life as we talked about at the beginning. Where you at drifting will determine will ultimately show up in your life. It will reveal itself in your life. And if you're like me, you've got work to do. But that's not work that I do on my own. That's work that I need to let Jesus do in me for his glory. So I want to encourage you in that area. And if you need prayers or someone to study with, someone to talk to in that area and your, your relationship with God and your salvation, if you just have questions because you don't understand anything about church and God and Bible and all of this and you want just to study the Bible with somebody and talk to somebody, we want you to know that we're here for you. We want you to know that we care about you and we're accessible to you. So please reach out to us. Come visit. Call us. Email us. We want you to know we're available. We care about your soul. And we love you. God bless.